Foundation. You'll provide financial education and protection that all families need and deserve. The Knights of Columbus offers a professional level income potential, benefits, and bonuses. Don't check your values at your office door. Work for a company you can believe in. Contact Pat Dolan at 701-298-9922 for more details. That's 701-298-9922. Align your work with your values at Knights of Columbus Insurance. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering a high level of care. We're pro-life and pro-family, so we respect all human dignity while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from Mystic Monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer clinical services, including immunizations and individualized medication packaging. Mayo Pharmacy is located at 303 North 4th Street in Bismarck. Our number is 701-223-2424. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. People think A&B is in the copier business, but we're not. We are in the people business. Whether it's coffee and water, managed print services, document management, or our newest editions of promo gear and managed IT services, we've got you covered. At A&B, we're number two because our customers are number one. We can be reached at one 800 477 2425 or online at abbusiness.com. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday, the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning. We are live. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Um, we have a special broadcast today from the Supreme Knights of Columbus Convention here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, it's brought to you in part by Pat Dolan, Knights of Columbus Insurance General Agent in Fargo, North Dakota. Serving Catholic families with life, long-term care, disability insurance, and retirement annuities. You can reach Pat at 701-298-9922. Um, my name is Father Ryan Moravitz, and I'm joined by Father Randall Kazel. Great to be here with you, Father. Good to be with you, Father Kazel. We've had a good first hour. Um, this morning we had a chance to talk with three of our local bishops here in Minnesota and talk about the, the goodness and the, the brotherhood of the Knights of Columbus and the good work they're doing. And yeah, right here from the convention. Yeah, and the bishops are excited to be here, and the knights here, they're just getting ready for Holy Mass here in a little bit, so it's great to be here. What a great spirit there is here. It's a great spirit, lots of good energy, and they're starting Mass at 9.30. 
Um, folks, we've been on for an hour, so if you're just tuning in and you're used to our regular morning programming, um, we've, we've got the regular kind of two hours ahead of us. Um, and what you're used to, we'll be doing straight talk. We have a number of different guests. Um, we will do our prayer intentions and everything. Right now, um, we're joined uh, by Peter Sonsky of the Supreme Council. Um, he's here at the convention. And uh, Peter, thanks for being with us and taking a few minutes with us. I know you're a busy man here at the convention. And so what's, what's your role with the Supreme Council? Well, I work at the Knights of Columbus Museum, Father Ryan. I don't know if the two oh, of you been are there. aware of it, but yeah. there in New Haven, where the Knights of Columbus was founded, there is a museum that uh, memorializes all of the history and the achievements of the Knights of Columbus for its 137 years. So uh, I'm kind of the history guy. Love it. Wow. Absolutely. So what does this mean, Peter, when you, when you see all the Knights coming together? This is the 137th. Uh, national convention for the Knights of Columbus. What is this like when you come together with all these men? What does it mean? And then when people are heading home here in a few days, uh, what is the fruitfulness of it that you've seen in the past and you hope for this year? You know, it's a good question, Father, because so many people who are Knights or who are aware of the Knights really have only the concept of the Knights at their local level, their parish, their community yeah, level. Yeah, right. That's and right. So for Knights to come to a gathering like this and to see men from all over, not just the country, but from the continent throughout North America, and then even we have knights here from Europe, we have knights here from the South Pacific, uh, it gives them a sense of how universal the organization is, how universal the church is, and it's a way that they can express that fraternity with so many more uh, outside of the realm. They can learn from them, they can share with them, and grow with them. That was one of the most, the first one I ever came to I was so excited after I left it because I never, I think, really felt or realized how impactful and how large the Knights of Columbus are, and you really realize it here at the convention. That's a good point. Uh, again, because you're, you're used to that small setting at home, when you come here and see the breadth, the scope of it, it really is uh, inspiring, uplifting. And when, the, when Carl Anderson gives the, the kind of the State of the, state of the state Union, of the union yes. State of the Order... I remember listening to it, and I read it every year now. I go and look at it because he started talking about when you combined all of that, and he talked about you know how much time and effort and money is donated. When you put it all together, it's massive and impressive. It is, it is. And that's one of the things that I enjoy. While I said my role is uh, at home working at the museum, I've had for uh, more than a dozen years the responsibility of being a liaison for radio and television here at the convention. You know, Father Ryan, I said that when we first began, it was like pulling back the veil and giving people an opportunity to see the organization in its totality, uh, to see the, uh, the immense amount of charitable outreach that the organization has and the good works that it does at, uh, at international levels. So uh, I'm pleased that you brought that up because this is really the occasion when we hear about that in its fullness. And so for those who are listening, who have opportunity to follow uh, the proceedings here today, please do so. It'll be broadcast live on Salt and Light Television in Canada, on Catholic Television, and on EWTN Television. And uh, so glad that you're going to be here throughout the morning, too, broadcasting live and being able to share with your listeners uh, the good things that are coming 
uh, from the Knights of Columbus and here in uh, the beautiful state of Minnesota. Well, Peter, the Knights have such an awesome history. The last 137 years uh, since uh, founded with Father McGivney and the first group of men uh, around him. What stands out to you as, as main highlights that have uh, impacted you for the Knights after the founding? And when you look back on the history of the Knights, uh, what, what would you share with our listeners that are important points? I think Father McGivney was prescient in his vision. Um, at the time that he founded the Knights of Columbus in the late 19th century, the institutional church had uh, a very, um, shall I say, active role in a lot of the apostolates, a lot of uh, the outreaches of Catholics. And Father McGivney distinctly saw a role for the laity. And so when he established the Knights of Columbus, he established it as an independent organization in union with the institutional church, but not a part of the institutional church. And he decidedly uh, asked his bishop for the permission to do this because it was non-conventional at the time. But for those familiar with the documents of Vatican II, we know that there is a universal call to holiness. We're all called to be contributors uh, and work toward our own personal sanctity. And I think Father McGivney saw that at a very early time and wanted to engage the laity in the work, the outreach of the church, and that his vision has endured and that it is alive today and the charitable outreach that is uh, that Father Ryan mentioned takes place on an ongoing basis is a testament to um, what he uh, was inspired to put together. Yes. Great. Thank you. Peter, what, is, what does it mean to you to be a knight? What does, it, what does it mean to you as a Catholic man to be a, a knight of Columbus? Sometimes, Father, uh, as a, a man, communally you're not engaged so much with other men in your faith. You might be uh, connected to them because you're a fan of a particular ball team, or you might be connected with them uh, because you have the same uh, work or employment. But there's not always that easy union with, uh, with the faith. And this provides that. It, it provides that, that close bond that uh, men really, I think, need uh, in kind of mutual support of each other in the faith. It also gives men a real roadmap to live their faith. Uh, the charitable initiatives that we've been talking about are often done more simply and more meaningfully when they're done with others. And that's what the Knights of Columbus provides. Very good, Peter. And I, I look forward to our Knights meetings every week or every month when we have them at my local parishes. And I want to ask you, what about your involvement locally? What things do you see are clicking in your area councils, um, maybe across the country if you have that knowledge? What would you give encouragement to uh, local Knights councils to continue the good fight of building up the councils as well as uh, fostering the good works and the energy, the enthusiasm in the life of Christ. Absolutely. I think the one thing that they can look back to is that when Father McGivney established the Knights, he wanted very much for the men to be united in faith. The, the outreach is very important, but our own, our own spiritual growth and our own mutual support of each other as knights and as the parish. So uh, they call the knights sometimes a strong right arm of the church. Yeah. Uh, we want that to be uh, be known, but we also want to be in uh, mutual support of one another, each other's families. Peter, thanks for taking time. We know you're a busy man, and uh, God bless you in the convention and everything. Thanks Thank for you, Peter. Thanks God for being with us. God bless Father Randall, Father Ryan.
Coming up next, we would like to pray for those intentions you submitted during Prayerfully Yours. And later, if you have questions on the Catholic faith, you have two priests you can ask about almost anything during our Straight Talk segment. It's one of our favorite parts of the show. The only thing I say, not Jesus' shoe size, because I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but folks, think of your questions. Uh, Think of the things that you might want to ask. We've been talking about the Knights of Columbus. You might want to ask us about the Knights of Columbus. Maybe you have questions about the order itself. Um, But you can call in and ask anything. We love conversation, and it's live. Um, But Prayerfully Yours is coming up next. This is Father Ryan Moravitz and Father Randall Kazel, and you're listening to Real Presence Live. Amen. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's the 63rd Annual PRCA Champions Ride Saddle Bronc Match, August 3rd, at Home on the Range Arena. Top PRCA Cowboys compete for the title champion and collect thousands in prizes on the world's best bucking horses. Celebrate past champions or join in the live Calcutta of Cowboys on August the 2nd. The Champions Ride August 3rd at Home on the Range Arena. Exit 7 on I-94, east of Beach, North Dakota. Gates open at 10. The excitement begins at 1. Advanced tickets and information at hotrnd.com. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is Real Presence Live. I'm Father Ryan Moravitz, joined by Father Randall Kazel. Um, thanks for being with us. This is Prayerfully Your Segment. Father Randall, why don't you lead us through? Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. We are from the Knights of Columbus Convention here in Minneapolis. And in this segment, uh, prayerfully yours, almost every day we receive prayer requests asking for prayers for many different intentions. And we hold these needs close in prayer with RPR. We'd like to invite all of you who are listening this morning to take a moment to stop where you're at and with what you're doing and to join us in praying for specific intentions, including these intentions. We pray for Charlie. He has been in the hospital for about a week and is having a pretty rough time of it. He has some GI issues going on and he is really in need of prayers for healing and strength. And we pray for Renee to be healed 
Uh, we also pray for Chris, who's recovering from a heart procedure. And I want to add in, we want to pray for Paul, a youngster about 10 years old, who's having a procedure in Rochester at the Mayo Clinic. It's from Bismarck. And we also want to pray for all of you out there, anyone who's having any issues in your minds, your hearts, needs of your body for healing. And let us pause for a moment and remember that wherever we may be, that we are in God's holy presence, that he's present to us, ready to listen in his merciful love to whatever we have to say, and that we have a loving Father, that in union with Jesus, we have access to him, and our Blessed Mother wants to teach us to pray, to listen to him. So let us pray. God, our Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you for the gift of life. We praise you for the gift of this day. We wish to thank you for all the graces you have in store for us. We intercede for one another, and especially on behalf of brothers and sisters who are suffering. We ask that you may give them relief, give them healing, give them hope, especially in their inner heart. Allow them to hear your voice of love and goodness and the meaning of their experiences. Give them that sense of purpose and the ability to see into the future, into eternal life, so that this day today they can offer it as an act of love, and that whatever they may face, they may always know they are never alone, for you are there. We ask you in your special love to send men and women of goodwill to help our brothers and sisters in their local places, wherever they may be, to share the healing touch of your grace and love. We ask this all through the holy names of Jesus and our Blessed Mother Mary. Thanks for taking time to pray with us and for these and all the members of the RPR family. If you have any specific intentions you'd like to have prayed for, please visit our website at yourcatholicradiostation.com and submit it under prayer requests at the top of the page. You can also submit an intention on our RPR app. Simply click on prayer requests on the main screen. Looking for a career unlike any other? Discover the unique vocation of being a Knights of Columbus field agent. You'll provide financial education and protection that all families need and deserve. The Knights of Columbus offers a professional level income potential, benefits, and bonuses. Don't check your values at your office door. Work for a company you can believe in. Contact Pat Dolan at 701-298-9922 for more details. That's 701-298-9922. Align your work with your values at Knights of Columbus Insurance. Real Presence Radio wants to honor our fathers. As Catholics, we see our priests as spiritual fathers. We have so many great priests in our listening area who model and guide us to a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each week on Real Presence Live, we will honor our spiritual fathers with a dozen donuts donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, a good father would want to share. Let us know who you would like to honor, and each week we will draw a name to share stories of great spiritual fathers. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com to honor your father today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Ryan Moravitz, and I'm joined by Father Randall Kazel. Great to be with you, Father. Great to be with you, Father. We are at the 137th annual Supreme Knights of Columbus convention here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the first time it's been here, I think, in 25 years. Wow. Um, so it's a, it's a great honor to be able to host the, the convention. 
Yeah, you know, our Minnesota Knights have come together. I know guys from our local area down south near Rochester, Pine Island. We got men volunteering, and I see guys I know from all over Minnesota have been in and out here helping to guide our, our guests, our uh, men and women who've come from all over the country and even all over the world to be here. We're blessed to have this event here in Minnesota. It's a big, big um, event and a big undertaking, so they've done a fantastic job. Um, of putting everything together. Things seem to be running really smooth. I got here last night and was able to catch up with some of the Knights that have been here for a few days already. So Yeah, I drove up here to Minneapolis this morning. I was so excited to come. I, I love being a Knight of Columbus. It's a great blessing. I still remember my when I received the first degree uh, back when I was in the seminary. We both went to IHM uh, yeah. in Winona, and uh, I became a member of the Knights, actually through a council in Wisconsin who came across the river and gave us the first degree. And then it was only a few years later I received the second and third degree and uh, and since then, I went on, once I was ordained a priest, went on to have the fourth degree here in Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, so, uh, And then I've been blessed to be able to start a council between Pine Island and Zumbro, the St. Pio Council, one of my favorite saints. And so, what about the nights with you? Yes. Uh, so I, be, I went, actually, I did my first degree in Winona as well. You they did, used to have wow. a Knights of Columbus Hall there. Yep. And I remember going to the hall and doing the first degree. And... Um, it was still kind of. It was still sort of the the old school degree. Yes, um, that's mine was too. You know, and and folks, you know, sometimes people talk about you know the secrecy of the degrees, and people wonder about that. It's not. It's not that it's a secret. It's that the impact of the degree would be lessened. Kind of the lesson that you learn in it would be lessened if you if you knew what what happened. Because there's back then especially there was it was kind of a dramatic thing that happened that would help you really hear the lesson of what the Knights of Columbus are about. And so it's not like a, there's some kind of secret handshake or anything. It's right. It was more about allowing that degree to be impactful so the man could hear the message for the first time of what it means to be a Knight of Columbus. That's true. And the, the sense of the secrecy about the initiation of the orders also harkens back to when the Knights were founded. And one of the motives of Father McGivney founding the order in 1882 was a response to the secret societies that were non-Catholic, non-Christian, yep. atheistic, trying to draw men out of a, a truly Christian discipleship of following Jesus and into secular worldviews. And so Father McGivney seeing this and how Catholic men were beginning to be impacted by the allurement of uh, a kind of security in uh, worldly relationships or relationships outside of the church, he said, we need something that's fraternal, bonded in Christ, and where we have this common share of an organization that glues our men together and prevents them from wanting to join other fraternal groups that are uh, do not follow Jesus. So there is this this connection, I think, in his uh, his thinking it through in this human way that you know men need something like this to be bonded, and that's part of the, I guess, the not so secret path of it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's part of the allure. I think as men, we want to be part of something. Yes. You know, we and we want to be part of something that other men are a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's such a kind of big thing in us. You know, you think of sports teams. Yes. You think of the military. There's so many different things where. You, men in particular kind of are bonded together in certain ways um, as men and to be bonded together as as Catholic men is such an important thing as to be able to live the Catholic faith yeah and I think too there's a natural aspect among men who men tend to like ritual if we think of something men are drawn to ritual something that we do that's has a formal aspect to it that we need to participate in have a sense of discipline but also a sense of responsibility I do this for one another uh, there's a sense of order uh, there's a sense of uh, decor and respect uh, a calling to a higher level that we we want to go and think and be ordered in it and, and we also repeat it it's not something like it's a one and done we repeat the the various things 
things so that we, we have this sense of ritual that yeah. draws us. And the nights foster that. And that's also the very heart of the church where we have our ritual every Sunday, the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass. It's a ritual that we do. I think what, uh, you know, at least I talk often about the five love languages. I don't know if you're familiar with I those. I am. I'm familiar with that. So, you know, you I take, led a book study on that. Yeah, okay. Time, yeah. So, you know, the love languages... Uh, Men, a lot of times, their their love language is service. You know, so folks, if you have never heard of the five love languages, it's it's how we express love. It's a theory of how we express love and how we experience love. So one of them is acts of service. To to serve is a an expression of love. So for instance, if your husband goes and mows the lawn, he's showing you I love you. Like he's maybe not good at saying it or being cuddly or something like that. He's, you know, a lot of men will show love by mowing the lawn, um, by shoveling snow. And so a lot of times as men, that's the way we show, hey, I care. I care and I love you. I love this community. I love my family, whatever it may be. And the knights are, are really, really good at that particular love language, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And along with that strategy of seeing that what men are doing to serve, it's an act of love. But sometimes it's also even a, a step further where what men would like to do to recognize that, that that's an act of love. Because sometimes that tension builds in marriage relationships I see where perhaps the wife wants the husband to do a certain thing, but he's not very good at it and he doesn't do it very well. And the wife tends to focus on that in a, in a sense. And, but then all of a sudden the husband's doing all these other things. So it's kind of look at the both hand there and, and work on the areas where maybe the husband's not doing what's hoped for, yeah. but recognize where he is. And that you can build into the positive. You know, that's what we, we strive to do in the nights. Hey, guys, wh- where would we feel good about giving ourselves? And the pro-life efforts, there's a lot of energy from the nights to do that. And the nights have fostered great ways to do that. Uh, to serve food, we have efforts of serving food and developing hospitality. Uh, our men really relate to that and sharing uh, their gifts in that way. And we have projects where the men get into the projects that we do. Yeah, so That's one of the great things as a priest, you know. You can turn to your nights council and say, hey, fellas. You know, I need this done, or I need help with this. Um, and they, they really step up. Whenever you ask, they, they tend to step up, and they're right on top of it. Absolutely. And not only that, is when there's sometimes in parish life, there's adversity. There's, uh, you know, we people have a lot of different ideas about things at times, and the challenge as a pastor, how we how we bring everybody to, re- to believe what the church teaches and believe what the uh, we profess in our creed. And you know, so often I found the nights, hey, Father, great sermon. Hey, Father, needed to hear that. Hey, Father, how can I help you in, in different circumstances and relationships? And uh, I have those people come to me, and the knights are normally right at the center of that. They're a great blessing. The strong right hand of the church is, yeah. I think it was uh, strong right what arm the bishop the said here this morning. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes I think guys will say, well, I don't know if I can be a knight. You know, I can't make meetings, you know, or I, I don't want to go to a meeting. And, you know, a lot of times people need to realize, well, we, you know, we realize, especially young men raising families, they may not be able to make all the, the council meetings, and that's okay. It's typically membership. Mem- membership involves. Um, uh, sorry, uh, lost my train of thought. The producer well, just came in through, so sometimes <laughs> they. I, I think you're in a line of, of having. There's dues that happen, and then also. Yeah, so there's dues and stuff, but. So you pay your dues, um, do one event a year. Say, let, let's say you help out with one fish fry, or you help out with one morning of Tootsie Roll sales. Like, that's all it takes to be an active member of the Knights of Columbus. And as you get older, 
Um, you'll be able to become more active maybe in the leadership roles or at meetings and the plannings and all those different things. That might be right up your alley now, but don't be discouraged or say, I'm not going to become a knight because I can't make meetings. That's that's not a good excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I when I, we have nights that come into council, my goal and desire is ho- hopefully always to encourage them to come to the meetings. And sometimes it's just not possible, uh, depending upon the time of the the meeting or the day or whatever it might be. Um, but at least to be involved in different things. But the goal to be able to come to the meetings and have those conversations. I love to serve food. We we, we have ours at eight o'clock on Saturday mornings. We serve breakfast beforehand and to try to have that bonding of food and fellowship among the men. Then we have a meeting. We try to keep the meeting crisp and uh, to the point so that it's enjoyable. This is Father Ryan Moravitz and Father Randall Kazel. I'm coming to you from the Supreme Knights of Columbus Convention in Minneapolis. Straight Talk is coming up next, so get your phones out. Look us up on Facebook. Send us a message. Let's talk. If you're having a difficult day or need some support, log on to your CatholicRadioStation.com and click on Prayer Requests. From here, we invite you to send us your prayer needs so we can pray specifically for those intentions. And if you have time, scroll down on the homepage to personally pray for the needs of other members of the RPR family. Visit your CatholicRadioStation.com and click on Prayer Requests. You can also send intentions to us from the main screen of our app. We're blessed to be able to join you in prayer. The number one nursing program in the nation at the University of Mary. The University of Mary is ranked number one out of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And University of Mary scholarships give you your senior year free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation, University of Mary. Check us out at umary.edu slash nurses. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm Father Ryan Moravitz, joined by Father Randall Kazel. We we have a special broadcast coming to you today um, from the Supreme Knights of Columbus Convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, We're excited to to be able to be with you. this 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 broadcast is brought to you in part by Pat Dolan, Knights of Columbus Insurance General Agent in Fargo, North Dakota, serving Catholic families with life, long-term care, disability insurance, and retirement annuities. You can reach Pat out in Fargo at 701-298-9922. Pat, thanks for uh, sponsoring our broadcast today from the Supreme Knights of Columbus Convention. We've had some uh, great conversations, but now, right now it's time for Straight Talk. We're excited to bring you this segment of Real Presence Live. It's called Straight Talk, and it's your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with us, your local hosts. And today you got two priests online. So please, uh, give us a call at 877-795-0122 or send your questions and comments to us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Um, let us know what's going on in your world. If you have questions uh, that you want us to talk about, 
um, please just give us a ring. You don't necessarily have to come online. A lot of times people won't call in, Father Kazel, because right. you know they're scared to like talk to us. Well, that's what I. Sometimes there's call-ins. I'm listening in, on the radio, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to call in, but but you don't uh, want to go. Like, you no, don't want to go on radio. I don't have the right? strength to take that next step and actually do it. It's like, oh, but no, do this. This works. So, this will be good. And what you can do too is if you call in and you go on Facebook, you can just leave the question, and they'll they'll put it up on our our computer screens. Yes. And we'll talk about what you want to talk about. But we would love if you're willing to come come on the radio with us and have a conversation with us or ask your question live. Um, we would love for you to join us. And that's um, 877-795-0122. Give us a call. Folks, the point of Straight Talk is to start a conversation. It is an opportunity for listeners to call in with questions about faith, ask questions, comments, different things going on. Maybe you got some questions today about the Knights of Columbus. So please, please do uh, give us a ring or, or send us a question. Father Kazel, I think I hope I've pronounced your last name correctly throughout the show. Have I screwed up at all? No, I don't think so. You're okay. doing great. But you, even if you had, I'd still answer you. You told me the long A. <laughs> now, we were talking. I just met Father today, so this is the first time we've we've uh, met and we've been on the radio together. That's um, right. So it's gone well. But Father was telling me about his last name. I said, how do you pronounce your last name? So Father, you said with a long A, but then you told me a neat story from Germany. Of, of yeah, where that's your right. Name yeah, yeah. I'll get into that. But you know what's funny is I have relatives. They live by Vermilion. And we, there were brothers that were relatives that came over from Germany back in the 1890s. Some settled near Vermilion, Minnesota, south yeah. of the Twin Cities, and some settled in northern Iowa. So I'm from the northern Iowa group. And for some reason, they began to pronounce their names differently. So the Vermilion Hastings area, they say Castle. In the, the northern Iowa, it's, it's a long A, K. So we, I have friends who say, well, who's right? I say, well, we, we can both it's, be right on this. There's I a battle of mine over yeah, my last the, name as well. Yeah, so we were, so uh, some years ago, 2007, I was on a pilgrimage to Germany with a, the Schönstatt, the awesome Marian uh, spirituality that originated, started in Schönstatt, Germany. But I was in the sacristy in some of the churches in Germany, and that I noticed my last name written on the doors, K-A-S-E-L, and they, they pronounced it Kassel, uh, or Kassel, and that means chasmable in German, in chasmable. And I I knew that my name meant like the 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 building, a castle, C A S T L E in English. Uh, but our our name has a connotation of a building. And the chasuble though is the tent, the the tent that would be say the tent that would cover the Ark of the Covenant. And in the in the church we have the the chasuble that goes over the priest, and the priest acts during the holy sacrifice of the mass in persona Christi. The, Jesus is acting in the priest and through the priest to confect the miracle of the mass. So uh, the priest has this uh, mystical union with our Lord, and our Lord acting through the priest uh, to make the offering to God the Father. Uh, so I, I uh, was um, edified to learn in my native heritage, because I'm, I'm completely German, but uh, uh, my dad's side has this, uh, this, my last name of Castle. So... That's a, as a priest. That's a really great kind of discovery of what your, is, you know, yeah. a connection of what yeah. your last name means. And yeah, I, what, I what about you, that. Father? I mean, you I had a that. you had a revelation on your name recently. So, too. so my last name is Moravitz. Um, there's a lot of people that want to say Moravitz or Moravitz, um, but we pronounce it Moravitz. We always have. Um, I grew up up in Ely, Minnesota, and so we're we're a pretty big family up there in Ely. And there's probably people in Ely listening right now because Real Presence Radio is in Ely as well. Um, but my last name um, comes from Slovenia. Oh. And so our name is Slovenian. Uh, and I've got, I've got Finnish and Norwegian blood in me as well. Actually, I'm, mo- most of my blood is Finnish blood. Okay. But the name is carried through from the Slovenian um, background. So I know the original spelling of our last name was M-O-R-A-V-E-C. And um, 
I, I was when I was in seminary, there was a, a Slovenian in one of our classes, and I went up to him and I said, "Do you recognize this name?" And he said, "Yeah, it comes from the northern part of Slovenia. It's a very popular name." I said, "How do you pronounce it?" He said, "Moravitz," and I was like, "Yes, Yay. we're still pronouncing <laughs> it right." So, so that's really good um, that that we're pronouncing it right. I think we have a we have a question yeah, from first question Facebook. Yep, Jennifer from Bismarck. Oh, up top about fostering vocations in young people. Uh, as a parent, do you start taking them to visits or pray about or, or and not push it? So what do you think, Father? How, what are some good strategies about fostering uh, vocations in our young people and children? Um, I think, she, is, she, is she, Jennifer, are you on the phone? Jennifer, are you online? Yes. Oh, there you are. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Yes. Hi. You're Hi. calling in from Bismarck, you? yeah? Correct. Good. Welcome to the show. Ah. Thanks for listening. Um, we're just having a little yeah. bit of a computer problem. So yeah, um, you know, you know, Father, I'm gonna get tickets. I know Jennifer. I recognize her voice. And oh, Jennifer, very good. Great. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Hi, Father. You're good. Great. <laughs> thanks for giving us a, a great question here. And yeah, Jennifer, you know, what's your question? Why don't you put that into words for us? So my question is, you know, when you have you, you know children who are around 13, 14 years old, you know, they're young teens, and they're convinced they have a vocation to the religious life, or they feel very strongly that they do. You know, what, what, how do you handle that at that age? You know, they're too young to go join an order, and, you know, life, you know, can bring a lot of things in the next coming years. You know, you don't want to discourage it, but you don't want to over-encourage it. I'm just, you know, do you take them to visit orders if they want? You're kind of, what's the best thing to do with that age group? Uh, great question, Jennifer. And I think among the first things to do is is to let your children know that you and your husband uh, would, would, would bless them, that they would have their uh, your blessing to pursue a vocation in the church and that, that oftentimes becomes the first hurdle that would would mom and dad be okay with me if I were to think I'm meant to be a priest if God is calling me in this way or I'm meant to be a religious sister uh, the opinions of of the parents or the the impression parents give regarding following that is is a uh, very important so if your children know that they are free with your blessing to pursue a vocation uh, that is a great starting point yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think just that they know that you would be okay with that keeps them open. Cause okay. Parents aren't always, so to be able to express that. Uh, for me, too, I think just that they would grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so through adoration, through Mass, through daily Mass if possible, through the reading of the Scriptures, mm -hmm. um, through prayer, through being close to their pastor, um, through the Rosary, you know, the, the I would say, as a vocation director, the main thing you hear about guys when they tell their story, when they come to me and say, Father, I'd like to join the seminary, and I say, well, okay, let's talk about your story. Tell me about it. It all comes down to mm -hmm. their relationship with God. Um, it's such an important thing. So to just foster relationship with the Lord Jesus, especially in the Eucharist and in the sacraments, is the key to vocation. I, I would say, if we put our kids in front of the Lord in the Eucharist, and invite them and have them at mm -hmm. mass. If they have a vocation, it'll it'll come out. <laughs> yes, that's right. It, it'll happen. Okay. So you just keep doing what you're doing as a good Catholic parent and and trust that and support them. Yeah, and only one thing I would add on to that, Father. That's beautiful advice. Is that, is the trust in our Lord's timing? Yeah. yeah. Because you might look at one of your youngsters and say, you know, I think he's called to be a priest, or I think she's called to be a religious sister, and maybe their minds don't think that, and and maybe that 
that is what what they're thinking is right but then again you know our lord has mysterious ways of allowing young people to think things through even to think they're not called to something when they are and then they all of a sudden our lord brings them around to it and they get thinking about what they're actually called to and our lord has a timing for that that is a is a mystery of our faith and you trust in god's providence and the relationships that they will meet and and so but you're entrusting them to our lord and asking him to be in charge of them you're you're because he's shared them with you and you keep on sharing them went back. He said, Lord, make them a gift back to you, yet you will that for them. Uh, That is a great prayer and a great blessing back to our Lord. Jennifer, thanks for calling in. Have a great day. Many blessings to you. Yeah, thank you. Yep, you're welcome. This is Father Ryan Moravitz and Father Randall Kazel. I'm calling, or not calling, but we're we're here at the (laughs) Supreme Convention in Minneapolis. We're doing straight talk, folks. Call 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Or send us a question on Facebook. Um, we have another caller, Teresa from Holly. Are you there? Therese. Yep. Hi. Therese from, is it Holly? Holly? How do you say that? Holly. Holly. Mm -hmm. Now, where's Holly at? Um, we are 45 minutes outside of Fargo. Okay. Um. To the east. To the east. Not far from Barnesville. (laughs) Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Well, Teresa, thanks for joining us. What's your question? Yeah. So um, my question is, since God is unchangeable, um, when we pray for things, do we change his mind or what happens when we pray? Okay, good. That's, That's a, a great question. Really good question. I'm, I'm pointing at Father. <laughs> Father Kaysen and I are like, you want to take it? No, you take it, you take it, you take it. <laughs> Here's the thing. One of the things about prayer is that, that God wants us to express our desire or our requests. And so when one of the things about prayer is sometimes we have to ask for the right things. So we have to ask what's in the loving will of God. And so when we hit it on, sort of, you know, he's able to respond. So I would say that he doesn't, he's unchangeable, but he's, he needs us to um, open ourselves up to his loving will for us, right? So one of the things that I talk about is, you know, my sister has a saying in her bathroom and it's on the wall in her bathroom. It says, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says you've got to be kidding me. You know, so part of our prayer actually is aligning our hearts and our minds in an expression of uh, of our desire for His will to take place and giving Him the freedom to let His will take place in our lives. And so it, there's a dynamic of our prayer aligning with God and having that answered, if you will. And I say answered in quotes. Because sometimes God's going to go, no, that's not in my will. So I always joke like, yeah. or why are you bringing that to me? So, you know, I've been, I've been joking with people. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm praying for the twins' bullpen to get better. But God's looking at me going like, I don't care about the twins' bullpen, man. <laughs> but if, I, if, my, if my prayer leads me to say, Lord, I, I pray and I desire conversion in my own heart. Now the Lord goes, yeah, okay. I, I, that's what I want too. But I need you to express that you want that. I need you to ask for that. So sometimes a parent may want to give their child a good gift, but the child has to express their, their desire for it so that the gift can be given in this freedom and not, for, for instance, forced on the child or something. So mm-hmm. do we change it? P- probably not necessarily. I think a lot of times our prayer is being aligned with the loving will of God and, and he needs us to express <laughs> and ask for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Father, and Lisa does yeah. to me, but I, but I would add one, a few points onto that, Father, of, of your beautiful words, is that there's a, there's a quality of God that's helpful for us to remember, is that God knows all things. And when we say that, it, it's hard for us to fathom this because of our, our intellects are, are limited in our ability to understand the, the infinite power of God. He, know, he literally knows all things. He knows all the possibilities, and he also sees us already in glory. So when, when we entered into the grace of our Lord through baptism, he sees us in the future, in glory. He sees us perfected and there and his work completed before him face to face. He sees that already and he draws us to embrace what he has given us in the Holy Spirit to draw us to be beginning in this life who we're going to be in eternity. So in his mind, he sees that. So in the sense when we pray, does God change his mind? Well, well no, he, he's, he's not going to change his mind on what it is, but anything that will bring us into being closer and closer to the, the mold that he has in mind for us, he has created us to be in those perfections he's gonna he's gonna allow and there's sometimes also one thing to add you know I have this saying patience what is patience well you have to wait for it and so sometimes God's answer seems to be no but then all of a sudden I find well I just had to wait for it I had to grow in patience I had to, the timing is important to God God's timing we speak of so we have to persevere in prayer we have to continue to say Lord your will be done you take care of my formation may I be as holy as you will it especially leading into eternal life Therese, thanks for the call today. Uh, really appreciate it. A really, really good question. We've got another question coming in right right behind it along those lines. So many blessings to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Folks, it's Straight Talk Time, 877-795-0122. Uh, there, we've got two priests today, and so a little special opportunity to be able to call in with any questions or anything. That was a really great question. You can also... Uh, Log on to Facebook and find us on Facebook. Send us a question that way. So we've got a question in from Jennifer, and she says, In regard to the last question on prayer, how does intercessory prayer work then? How does it help when it's not aligning our heart-mind with his in that instance? Back to the question on children as well. In regard to teens, when do you let go, and when do you push when the child wants nothing to do with God and church activities? Okay, so those are two loaded yeah, questions, yeah, right? Yeah, great questions. <laughs> So well, let, let me go at the let me go at the child one first okay. because it's it's each one of those youngsters is unique and there's a bit of discernment to know how far do you want to push but I I think I think the main idea we need to have in in our in giving our faith is that we need to live a principled life uh, which means that fundamentally youngsters need to follow the leadership of the parents and the parents need to be actively discerning to what degree your youngsters are following and and willing in freedom to continue to choose and sometimes it needs to be look we're going to do this because this is what we do as Catholics and there will be resistance and there will be uh, even some fighting about it but still nonetheless that their will is nonetheless called to uh, be willing to follow our Lord and to follow the leadership of the parents who our Lord has entrusted to be the guide and the teacher it's a, it's a principled way of living so it cannot be just maybe this maybe that but it's principled we follow our Lord and when sometimes you need to repeat that several times look we want to follow our Lord your, your dad and I were committed to following the Lord you know if mom mom says we do this or dad says we do that you you back that up we follow the Lord that's the main principle for them to find happiness in beginning in this life and ultimately eternal life we follow the will of the Lord yeah, and I, I think it's that invitation to our young people to, to do that as well. And there's a certain age where, you know, they, they have to make that decision, yeah. you know, for themselves. And you have to let go on some levels. And, but you also have to persevere in, in holding the principles and living the life yourself. Um, and, yeah, y- 
sometimes you got to make the kids go to mass, you know, and they're going to grumble. That's what kids do. You know, most of us did when we were kids, but it's important to, to keep making them go, if you will. Um, but allow them the experience of, of the freedom in that, too. It, it's not always easy. I always tell folks, you know, remember where you were at in that age and pray for them as well. Because a lot of times we come around, you know, I just throw it at my dad because my dad gets frustrated. My dad's a really good Catholic man now. He's actually a deacon. Huh. And he gets frustrated. Like, why do the kids care about going to Mass? Or, you know, the young people, they don't go to Mass. Like, I don't get it. Like, if they only knew the love of Jesus in the Eucharist, why, they would be here. Why don't they have it? And like, Dad, what were you doing when you were 22? He's like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I know it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, we have to be praying and journeying and accompanying people with where they are right now and finding, yeah. you know, like you said, each individual is a little bit different. I want to get to the, the intercessory prayer question. Um, here's one way of looking at it. Um, one of the master's degrees that I did was a, a master's in philanthropy and development. And so we talk about major gifts. So a major donor is somebody who's giving is one of your top donors. And so when you're doing a capital campaign, um, you get to know that person and what's meaningful to them, what, what they care about, and also what they're capable of, of donating, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know what to ask for. Mm -hmm. um, you sometimes can go to a donor and say, you know, we, we'd like you to give to, to this project and we'd like to give, you know, we have, we're, we're building a school. And we'd like you to give a million dollars. And they may look at you like, are you nuts? Mm -hmm. Like, don't you know anything about me? Don't you know I, I don't have a million dollars to give? That's beyond my giving capacity. And I really care more about um, hospitals or the pro-life movement than I do about Catholic schools. Um, so you, you miss the mark. And you, you haven't asked for the right thing and in the right way or in the right amount, right? Um, but when you do hit the mark, you might go to somebody and, and discover that they do love Catholic schools, for instance, and you go to them and you, you know what their giving patterns are, how they give and what they love to give to and why they love to give and all these different things. And you go in and you make it meaningful for them and you, you're able to go in and say, could you give us $200,000 for our new gym? Because you know they love sports and they care about sports. And you hit it on and they're like, absolutely. And it's, you know what? We can give that amount. And so they give it. Prayer is kind of like that in the line of the, we need to kind of, that's how God works. Like there's times where he's like, yeah, actually I can give you that. And I want to give you that. And, and that's in line with what I'm able to do for you and what I want to do for you. One of the things about continuing to do intercessory prayer is we learn about the mind and the heart of God as he says yes and he says no. And he says, you've got to be kidding me, you know, to us. You know, so like I can pray for the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota Twins all I want, but I learn in time that <laughs> God does not care about them. You know, so you learn like, okay, those are frivolous things, and I, I don't bring those to him. Like I don't need to. But I, when I, when he does respond, for instance, in the positive, you learn like, oh, God's living will is for these good things, these yeah. beautiful things, these truths. And where I hear him say no in my life, I have to learn about the mind. And the heart and the will of our loving Father of going, no, that actually wouldn't be good for you. And I learn about myself and I learn about who God is by continually going to God and asking. And so in the repetitive asking in the intercessory prayer, there's a lot to learn about 
the action and the work and the love of God for us. Does that make sense? Yes, that's great, Father. And I, I may, maybe a, a, an angle of describing the very same idea regarding God's will. And when we pray intercessory prayer, there's these aspects of God. There's his permissive will mm-hmm. and his active will, all within his will. Yeah. The permissive will, we think of, say, Lazarus, who our Lord permitted to die, only to reveal his active will, that he really willed Lazarus to live. And thus he raised him from the dead, and Lazarus became this beautiful example of how God's going to bring good out of what he has permitted. He has permitted evil. God didn't make evil. He doesn't will evil. But he has simply permitted it, allowed it to happen, so that you and I and all of us could have freedom to decide to love him, that we could be really free to choose what is good and and loving. And so, but his active will is to love us and to draw us to love him back actively in active love. He only permits these things. So he permitted Lazarus to experience death, but then he raised him from to life. We think of the other examples of his healings, even even healings we have now. I don't know if you heard about that beautiful healing of the the infant for the miracle of Archbishop Sheen. Yeah. That, that's going to be a whole other conversation, so I don't better not go down there right now, but maybe we can get there. Folks, this is Straight Talk. Call in at 877-795-0122 or look us up on Facebook and send in a question. You can call in with a question um, and not go on the air with us, but we would love um, if you're willing and comfortable to come on the air with us and we can have a little short conversation about whatever you're thinking about today. It's a great way to get questions answered or to start a good conversation. So Jennifer on Facebook, I love it. She's having a Facebook conversation right, with us. This is great. You know, uh, this, is, this is modern technology and sort of our culture today. Um, but Jennifer, good. Uh, she says, but then, isn't it trying to change his mind, such as healing of others, bringing others back to the church, etc.? No, I don't, I don't think it's... I don't think it's trying to change his... Help me, Father, on this. Uh, I'll start us off on this, but help me. Um, I don't think it's trying to change his mind. It's trying to align our minds with the mind of God. And we find our way there sometimes through prayer. And sometimes the, the loving will of God is that one would, would pass and go to heaven. It is, yes. It, like it, that's, that's part of that reality. Um, it, it's never God's will that one would go to hell. Um, but that comes to the freedom thing, you know. So when you talk about maybe somebody coming back to the church, well, we can pray for God's grace. So like, if I open myself up and say, God, I pray for my sibling that they would be brought back, and I, I open myself up to to law and grace flow through my life and pray for grace in their life. God then can pour forth grace, but we all have a response to that. So it's. It's opening ourselves and allowing God through intercessory prayer to act in our lives. Because if we don't ask and allow him to, he can't because of our free will, right? Um, but when we do open it up, he, he, he can then act. And then we have to respond or those in our lives have to respond to it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's more the interaction with God, if you will, that happens in intercessory prayer. Yes, and he, he wants the relationship. He, he wants it to be a relationship of love, not just something where we want to be in relation with Jesus because of what he does. He, he, we, he wants us to love him for who he is as our God, as our Lord, and one who says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends, who is our savior from our own weakness, but also from the power of the devil, the spirit of the world. He, he wills to be in a loving relationship. And I, I like to say uh, to people sometimes, we, we, can get, we can get caught into uh, what God may or may not be doing. God, I, I say, you know, God has it all figured out. He has it all figured out. And sometimes we just need to let him show us. And I recently I was in Michigan and I was flying back from Kalamazoo and the, the friends I was staying with said, well, Father, who's going to pick you up at the airport? And I said, I don't know. And he says, well, you didn't get that ready? I said, well, 
you know, my friend, our Lord has it all figured out. He has it all figured out already for me. And I don't usually operate that way, but that's really the situation I was in. I, I didn't know. And I was leaving to go to the airport in Kalamazoo to ride back in Rochester. Well, then on my way back, as I remembered, oh, I did mention it to somebody, but they weren't for sure if they could come. I, in Chicago, when I was there, I, I called my friend and said, hey, would you still be able to pick me up? Oh, yeah, you know, our plans changed. Yeah, yeah we'll be there to pick you up. What time? So it all worked out and it was all fine. It doesn't always work out that nicely. Uh, but that was an example where, you know, thankfully it, it did affirm what I knew already. Our Lord has it all figured out. I knew somehow I was getting from the airport back to my rectory. And, and many times it's, it's very comforting for us to know our Lord loves us in all the details. He's not, he, he, he cares about us in everything. In times, especially when we have sufferings or trials, we may forget that, that he's really there holding us and curing us. And I, I like to read sometimes the, the, the footsteps in the sand to remind of that principle of God's personal care as a loving father for us and all our experiences. Yeah, it's, it's such an important thing to, to know of that personal love that he has for us. And that, he, you know, this last weekend in the gospel, it was about, uh, the last line is, what matters to God? Yes. You know, and that's that's sometimes in our prayer too. It, it's important that it's like a parent and how they love their child. Like the child may think that these, whatever is so important, but as a parent, you know, no, I love you f- way beyond what you think is so important right now, um, and I want to to give you way beyond what y- you think you want right now. You know, you look at a child and they want, I don't know, some toy or a video game or something, and uh, <laughs> or ice cream. You know, and you realize. <laughs> Well, okay, I can give you ice cream, but I, I know there's so much more that that I want to give you, and I love you in such a bigger way than than just some of this frivolous stuff. And so intercessory prayer is a relationship that's lived out, and we learn about ourselves and we learn about the Lord in that. So that's a big part of intercessory prayer. Um, Father, I want to mention Katie. Um, yep. Katie, I know Katie. Um, yeah, Katie I and met Katie I, way back at St. Raphael. Katie and, and Katie and I went to college together. You did at the University wow. of Minnesota Duluth, yep. and so uh, she says hi to you. Hi, Katie. Yeah, thanks for writing in on uh, through Facebook to us and to me. That's great. So, Katie, a shout out to you. It's funny, a small world. The Catholic world is so beautiful, and you realize it here at the convention. But just being Catholic, we're so connected yes, as we are. Catholics. It's so beautiful. Always, Katie sent me a message earlier, and she. She saw a Facebook post of us, you know, a picture of us, and she was like, ah! Yep. So, Katie, thanks for listening. Folks, this is Straight Talk. We only got a couple minutes left. 877-795-0122. Throw a question out on Facebook. We can try to answer it really uh, uh, quickly. Um, you know, this has been a really good show. Yes, it has been awesome. And, wh- you know, what about today's feast? We should remind our yeah, parishioners or listeners that today's the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord. If you have a chance to go to Holy Mass today, I encourage you to do so. And our Lord, uh, interestingly, we were talking with one of the bishops earlier about following our Lord with the cross and looking forward to the goal. Well, our Lord our Lord gave uh, that that sight of his glory to the apostles, uh, Peter, James, and John, to tell them this is the glory that they will share when they follow him. But first is the suffering and the cross. First, there's a great quote from Thomas Aquinas I happen to have in front of me. Uh, he wrote, Just as the archer does not accurately launch an arrow without first looking at the target, this is necessary above all when the road is rough and hazardous and the path laborious. It is fitting, therefore, for Christ to reveal to his disciples the sublendor of his glory, to become transfigured before them, since in the same glory he would one day transfigure his own his own who follow him. So we must look at our end, that our Lord is going to glorify us and he will give us that payment of glory. But here now is the time for us to keep our eyes fixed on that 
and let that be the context of all that we experience that he's drawing us to glory it's one of the you know you think about the good graces there are a lot of times people call them god experiences you know so we don't always have the god experiences they're not continual right yeah. it's, not, it's not necessarily every day that we see the the miracles per se you know um, or have those big spiritual moments but they are those moments that those transfiguration moments where we see the glory of god and we're like wow yep and that that's to sustain us through yeah. What what lies ahead are the tough moments in our lives. Yeah, and that was at the heart of the the Israelite remembrance of the feast year. You remember the grace that we received at this moment, the Exodus and the Passover and all of these that they every year they remembered the grace. And we need to do that in our own personal lives, the moments of grace. And so we remember at all times. So good. A great session of straight talk. Thanks for calling in and um throwing stuff at us. Uh thank you Father Kazel for uh some yeah. great wisdom in yeah. that. Thank you too, Father. Very uh, Reminder, this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday. Up next, we have a rock star for the Lord coming to Built Upon a Rock Fest, Dana Catherine. We look forward to hearing from her. And later in the show, David D. Maria will share his passion for being a knight. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Father Ryan Moravitz and Father Randall Kazel. We'll be right back. 